0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 13 of the Lead Volunteers Podcast, where we help you turn volunteer pains into ministry gains. I am your host, Jeff Reining. And my name is Josh Denhardt,
1: and we are super glad you're
0: here. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Our- Our goal with the Lead Volunteers podcast is it's pretty simple. We want to help ministry leaders get skills, get inspired, and get moving. I know, I'm in full-time ministry myself as a youth and missions pastor. I know that I'm constantly in need of new skills. I always want to be inspired, and truth be told, I guess I could could probably use a little kick in the pants to get moving every (laughs) once in a while. I hope I'm not the only one there. But... We're here because we want you to get skills to more effectively recruit, train, and retain volunteers and help you avoid ministry burnout.
1: Absolutely, we want you to think about this, this podcast as a breakout session in your back pocket. We want you to get inspired and pour into your bucket and help you get thrilled all over again about what it means to be in ministry
0: Mm -hmm. we would love to reignite that passion for ministry and our greatest hope is that you'll be able to be pushed toward action we want to help you get moving exactly
1: there is a saying that I have recently adopted and here it is if nothing changes nothing changes we want to be a catalyst of change for you now listen do you want next year to be the same as this year well I I don't know about you, but maybe next year you don't want your recruiting push to go the same way. Well, the answer—if your answer is no—then something's got to change, or nothing's going to change.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. If Nothing changes. Nothing changes.
1: You, exactly. You now you know the the definition of insanity, right, Jeff? Mm-hmm. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. Now we uh, we want you to have a means to do something different. We want to we want to give you like something fresh, because. If nothing changes, nothing changes. All right, Jeff, let's jump in, buddy. Let's start this podcast episode.
0: Absolutely. So last week on the podcast, we opened up uh, talking about big events in our ministries, and we want to kind of continue that conversation, turn it into a two-part series here, yes. uh, talking about volunteers and big events.
1: Absolutely. Big events are often a big part of the life of a staff person in the in, inside the local church. Now, large events, they do effectively reach families in your community, but events are hard. Here's the thing. Uh, it's not like everything else stops, right? If you have an event, it's not like that That pushes pause on Sunday morning coming every seven days. As we say here at Lead Volunteers, Sunday is always coming. And if you put on a huge event on Friday night, guess what? Sunday is still two days away.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I want to do just a little bit of review here. Last week, you, you drew the distinction between frontline volunteers and then what you called puddle jump volunteers or puddle jumpers Uh, could you help remind us of these two groups and how they're different and where each group fits into your overall ministry
1: absolutely okay so we've all probably heard it said that 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people now your front line workers are your every week bread and butter volunteers we should not tap those volunteers again to serve and help us pull off large events as well here's the thing events are seasonal events are not every week you can grab new people who are not already a part of your weekly serving commitment schedule and I sometimes call those those specialized roles puddle jumpers
0: Mm -hmm. which sounds that sounds easy enough the frontline firefighters they're kind of the same as our every week volunteers they're showing up every week on a consistent basis and then those puddle jumpers they're working ahead they're the the specialists so to speak who are enlisted to do that seasonal work for the bigger and larger events right
1: Yeah, it's exactly right. So as I stated last week, we as leaders often re-recruit our very best weekly workers to be event programmers as well. I get it. I get it. You have your team of people who are your insiders, but folks, I'm telling you, if you always go to that same well, it's not a very good long-term strategy.
0: Mm -hmm. We should hopefully be able to resist the urge to re-recruit. And again, as a review from last week, we've kind of two major groups we have those every week volunteers and then a new group event volunteers and you did however you take us a step further by defining you talked about five different groups of event volunteers can you just remind us really quick of the titles of Absolutely. those event volunteers you betcha.
1: so I have five main areas for events they all happen to start with the letter P planners of the event promoters of the event preppers who are gonna help you prep your church right before it kicks off be present Number four, at the event, and pull down. Let me say them again. Number one, planners. Number two, promoters. Number three, preppers. Number four, present at the event. And number five, pull it down.
0: Awesome. So these volunteers, they help us with every single phase of the event cycles. They're a set of volunteers who is planning months ahead. Another key group of volunteers, they're assisting in promoting the event inside and outside of your church. Some, they're jumping in the day of event, just before the, a few hours before to help set up and prepare the facility for the event. Some, they're going to be present during the event, and then we can't forget about the people who are tearing it down afterwards, the the put it down, pull it down team. You betcha. Uh, However, there are some other important factors to consider when leading large events, and that's kind of what we, we want to cover today. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. So we're going to cover three basic and yet super fundamental topics or concepts about event planning in volunteer management. Number one don't cry wolf number two trust and verify and number three draw a line in the sand now hang on I'm gonna say same again number one don't cry wolf number two trust and verify and number three draw a line in the
0: sand perfect well you've got my interest i'm, I'm intrigued already and so these are more so some tips about working with your volunteer team in who are Those, doing the five yeah, piece correct
1: yeah, yeah so it's like these are tips for this event cycle that you're enlisting this group of five different P's. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense?
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. Okay.
1: Very good. Well, what I want to do is get some very simple and straightforward guidelines. And I, and I want to have some like plumb lines or Northern stars to keep us on track through every aspect of an event cycle. Now, these principles we're going to talk about today are completely applicable to all ministries, but I will educate this small group of seasonal volunteers, my my five P's I'm gonna I'm gonna educate them about these timeless ministry principles and how we're gonna apply them specifically to events Mm
0: -hmm. okay so so we have one don't cry wolf then there's trust and verify and then finally draw a line in the sand so let's start with don't cry wolf and now I imagine this is a ministry principle derived from the the, aesop's fables that's the one the the little story of don't cry wolf yeah the, everybody knows that right
1: mm-hmm. absolutely you've you've heard of the
0: concept don't cry wolf right Jeff? yep so it's the young shepherd boy's out in the field watching his sheep and there's no danger but then he cries wolf and then the townspeople they spring into action and right. run off to fend the wolf only to find out that there's really no danger at all
1: yes and like a fool this shepherd boy does it again the townspeople jump into action and again uh, absolutely unnecessarily
0: mm-hmm. yeah what do they say is fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me yes or exactly Say, fool me once your fault or fool me twice my fault so yes. these townspeople they've been conditioned to not trust the shepherd boy and when he cries for help right? okay
1: what, what you just said is critical the shepherd boy conditioned the people not to trust him that's that that should really burn i don't want to condition my people not to trust me okay so a cardinal rule of honoring volunteers is not to cry wolf. So many leaders make these desperate pleas for last minute help. But when 25 people actually arrive to meet the need, only four or five were really needed. Now, I gotta tell you, this is a critical leadership mistake. And it is an absolute surefire way for people to never sign up to serve with you again. Here is the key takeaway from this principle. Underutilization of key volunteers is as dangerous as overworking and burning volunteers out. I'm gonna say that again. Don't underutilize key volunteers.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I think, like you said, that's that is worth repeating because and we alluded to this a little bit in the previous podcast, but it, most people they think that burnout is the most sinister thing that can happen to a volunteer but what you're saying here is that boredom is also just as dangerous.
1: Absolutely. Underutilization of key volunteers is as dangerous as overworking and burning them out. You're exactly right. Both boredom and burnout are bad. I think most ministry leaders think that burnout is the is the is the dangerous one. I think boredom is just as bad. Mm-hmm. So, workload is it's like this interesting double-edged sword. On one hand, you have burnout, but, like I just said, too many children's pastors, like what they do, they bog down volunteers with roles that take 10 to 12 hours to successfully succeed. That's a fast track to burnout. I get it. But on the flip side, overselling the need and underworking volunteers is just as lethal. In my opinion, both sides of this sword can cut off your volunteers' desire to ever work with you ever again. So, people want to carry load, they want to feel needed. So make sure you got enough work to justify asking a volunteer to clear out their schedule to help this cause or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so what I'd love to do now is I know you've been doing ministry for a long time, long and so time. probably you have some experience in this area. I'd love—do you have a specific story that you'd be able to share that kind of talks about this uh, difference between burnout and boredom, and how yes. boredom is just as as dangerous yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah
1: okay so now Jeff I cannot remember whether we've talked about this one on the podcast or not so if I've shared it before maybe it could sink back into some people right it's okay right Yeah, worth restating worth restating okay well I took over a very 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 large event at our church it was called the great pumpkin party now the great pumpkin party was a huge event we brought in six thousand people came to this event it was like your fall festival on steroids it was Hmm. over three nights long now I took over the event after it had been in its existence for five, six, seven, eight years or whatever. I took it over. And I remember one time seeing a key uh, volunteer at our church, they ran one whole wing of, of a ministry. And I thought, wow, she would be awesome. And so I approached her, I said, Hey, have you had a chance to consider serving at the great pumpkin party? And she literally crossed her arms, took a half step back, like, kind of like closed her eyes a little bit. Like, she was not glaring at me, but she said, I'll never serve at the Great Pumpkin Party again. And I was like, Oh, drama. Wow. <laughs> I bet we have a story here. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, some leaders would be like, Okay, and sheepishly run away. I, I went toward that and I said, Wow, well, tell me more about that. Now, watch carefully. She said, You guys, and she pointed, you guys got up on stage last year and you begged for volunteers. I cleared out my schedule, I showed up the night of the event and I stood in a long chaotic line and when I got to the front of that line, a crabby volunteer said, and what do you need? She said, um, I'm here to volunteer. She goes, well, we, we, we have enough tonight. And then this lady who was now kind of like lighting me up though. I had not been in charge of the event makes Mm -hmm. sense. She said. That she told that crabby volunteer i'm sorry i've cleared my schedule find something for me to do and so she said <sighs> pointed to a door and said just stand by that door and make sure nobody leaves is that okay now hear me out this lady was a business owner in the community she was a she had some heavy lift to her she could get stuff done however she cleared her schedule because a ministry leader not me got up on stage mm-hmm. and cried wolf and said we are so desperate for volunteers and she's like okay i love my church i will come to the rescue wolf was cried makes sense
0: mm-hmm. yeah and i think too it with- going back to the last episode I think we could have used a, a little yes face on you yeah am I right you're so about. so
1: that okay why that's another that's a great point Jeff so she walked in and she said to me I stood in line to find out my volunteer role it Kinda was chaotic met with a grumpy face there. and then so first of all like she stood at a long chaotic line mm-hmm. not good don't have a chaotic line for your volunteers whatever but then there was a no face from a volunteer to this volunteer
0: Good point mm-hmm. well let's let's bring it back full circle did this this woman who cleared out her schedule and was this key volunteer yep. and hoping to be a part of this event did she ever come back and serve <laughs> under your new and improved leadership or did she was she kind of forever tainted by that experience? Yeah
1: I, I mean I, I wish Jeff that I could say that there was like this really wonderful story where no. Uh, she meant what she said, and she never ever served at that event ag- at that event again. And like I got to tell you, big loss. I mean, she was a mid-level executive mm-hmm. before she started her 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 own small business. She could get massive amounts of things done. That one experience burned her.
0: Yeah, that that's kind of a a hard thing to to swallow there, and yeah, realize kind of how hopefully planning for this and kind of implementing some of these things might well, well it'd be
1: really easy to avoid that. Absolutely, I got to say notice that i took over the event in the my the guy that i took it over for he there was there was like pain in the wake of his leadership Mm -hmm. right kind of
0: transferred over to you transferred over to me Mm -hmm. right gotcha and so now to kind of move on a little bit we've been talking about some of those cardinal rules for honoring volunteers and event planners and just wrapped up the don't cry wolf now let's talk about that little the second concept trust and verify
1: okay so trust and verify Uh, So I have a team to help plan this event. I have a team to promote it and so on. I have job descriptions for every one of them. They're very simple. Now they know what they need to be doing to be successful. That's fine. However, I typically make that job description in these super logical chunks. I break it down into what I call Ready, Set, Go. Does that make sense, Jeff?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, we've, we've had an episode talking about job description specifically yes. and just the importance of those, but for now, could you briefly explain this, this Ready, Set, Go? Yes, 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 okay.
1: So, very simple. Ready are items that need to be done one to three months in advance, maybe longer. Okay, Set are items that need to be done probably one to two weeks before the event and the final section go are items that need to be done maybe even as the event is going, the day of or right before or during the event. So ready, set, go. So every job description has kind of pockets like that.
0: Gotcha, I love that. That kind of gives them a a pretty straightforward breakdown on their job based on items that need to be done in advance and then yes. as the event gets closer it makes a lot of sense but the important thing is that they have a written plan of action and, and items that they need to do
1: exactly okay so this is where trust and verify lives and dies it lives and dies on the idea of whether or not you have provided a job description so we're making the assumption to all of our listeners that this next point about trust and verify you have to have job descriptions that's where that's a given mm-hmm. Now. That you have those leader job descriptions and specific dates in little checkpoints. Now it is critical to check in, provide support for those people under your care. As the event is coming closer, I, Josh, I touch base with those people to see if they need any support. Listen, I trust them. But i'm going to check in and verify their progress Mm -hmm. makes sense
0: yeah trust and verify you you trust them but you just want to verify that they're actually doing it which sounds simple enough you assign something for your volunteer to do but you also you want to make sure that it gets done which is pretty basic right
1: basic exactly however there it goes a little bit deeper i set the tone as i recruit them and hand them some things to be completed and i let them know what i call the quote rules of the game kind of rules of the game, so to speak. So I tell them that I do trust them, but I will be checking in on their project, on their progress on this little project. It is about trust and verification.
0: Gotcha. So forgive me, I'm going to even probe a little bit deeper, All but right. it almost seems like, I don't know, instinctually, it just seems like such a basic thing that it might not even be necessary to put it in the key topics. But obviously there's a reason why this is this topic is such a big deal to you. Yes. So why why wouldn't this... I don't know. It almost seems like a natural thing to do. Why? Why make a big deal of it? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's why
1: so many busy leaders, Jeff, they do not delegate duties. Busy leaders often dump duties. Dumping Mm -hmm. duties is not honoring. Dumping pushes a nondescript set of vague items onto somebody's plate and walks away and never talks to them again. That's dumping. Delegating has direction and definition but delegating also includes support and relationship. Does that make sense?
0: Gotcha, yeah. Just that added intentionality, I think makes, that makes the whole difference right there. Right. Because just how you're handing off a task that makes a difference. Whether you're going to give them steps to move forward or whether you're just never going to be seen or heard from right
1: and so it's not me saying hey i'm going to trust and verify that you're doing this no 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 no. i'm coming alongside to make sure that you feel supported in this process i have to tell you i josh was a volunteer at the church that i was ended up becoming a staff member at for 10 years i was a volunteer for six and there were many times that pastors would enlist me to serve and they'd never talk to me again Hmm. right Mm-hmm. So the idea that a leader is so busy that they're gonna give these duties and then ditch them, no way, man, that's called dumping. Delegating is giving them a job description and then making sure that they like that they feel supported in the process, I'm very passionate about that.
0: No, and So let's talk a little bit further about that. How would one of these trust and verify conversations okay. go? Like it likely, it has to be set up a little more elegantly than just coldly asking, like, did you get done what I asked? Or, <laughs> something like that just
1: right right okay so like let's let, just, just pretend let's pretend that I'm gonna have one of those right now so mm-hmm. here's how I would open and conduct a trust and verify type meeting I would say hey man thank you so much for meeting together now remember at our first meeting we agreed that you would tackle a certain number of tasks and here are those things in addition I wanted to make sure that you knew then and I'm I'm, I'm backing that up now that I want to come alongside you to see how you're progressing and if you need any kind of support that I could provide. Now, is there any aspect that needs my help as a staff person to accomplish this or move it forward? In other words, Jeff, what I wanna know is that, is there any direct action that you need me to take as a staff person to help push this this forward? Now, now remember Jeff, we gave you kind of this ready, set, go job description. Can you provide any specific updates as to where you're at with that? Do you need anything? For me, do you feel like you're on track to pull these off? Is there anything I can do to help? Is there any aspect that is just like super overwhelming or frustrating to you? Uh, is there any like mid-course correction that we need? Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And I, I think if there's, if you're a note taker listening, that might be worth even scrolling back and, and listening to again because that's really good help, helpful things to like direction for that conversation. And I noticed too that you never directly ask like, what did you get done no you kind of posture the conversation in terms of looking at their job description and kind of asking them if they need your help yes and the accountability factor that comes through the heart of support rather than just right like duties assigned exactly you i think really clearly communicated the difference between dumping and delegating exactly
1: there. exactly so so what by the way i want to p- mention one more thing jeff mm-hmm. with all of these meetings at the very end i always say is there anything else i always want to ask that final question now I've gone through, is there I can help you? Are you finding success, all that? Anything else? I always want to ask that final question because it opens the door to any bizarro lingering hurts or questions that haven't yet surfaced. I, I know it sounds crazy, but saying anything else, anything else that you'd like to share, it at least opens the door. Okay,
0: mm-hmm.
1: back, back on track. So I want to say um, that what you just said is the key takeaway though. It is subtle, but demands highlighting. I call them, to meet with them and connect with them. I'm seeking to lend support. I'm checking to see if there are any roadblocks that only me as a staff person could get moved. I do, however, ask for progress on their Ready, Set, Go, but I'm, I, I'm posturing it, like you said, as how can I help you?
0: Mm-hmm. Which I think makes the world a difference. If I think I, it does. If I'm imagining myself as a volunteer taking on some tasks for the ministry leader, if I'm just being like the chaos of not knowing, like, am I doing the right thing? Am I, yeah, getting it done just how they want to? I haven't heard from them in weeks, and uh, hopefully, it's fine. That that creates some chaos in my heart rather than yeah. just being able to sit down and say, "Is there anything I can do to help you?" Uh, let's look at where you're at yes. and kind of be able to walk alongside and. I don't know. I think that's really helpful. Just that big distinguish there. Yeah, yeah. The thing the, distinguishing between delegating and dumping.
1: Now, here's the funny thing, too, Jeff. Let's never forget that these people are like they're like pulling off. They're doing part of our job. Mm-hmm. We, we, you, me, we're the one that's in charge of an event. Um, this person is helping us pull that off.
0: In addition to their normal job they're, they're family <laughs> and family right. and life that they have to so do on their own. Don't be a dumping. Dipwad, who's it <laughs> right oh i can't stand last that. last episode had a lot of p's this one has a lot of d's, ds Dumping, yeah, exactly. dipwad, that's a good one okay uh, so in today's episode we're, we're continuing this conversation about event planning we covered don't cry wolf and you also covered uh trust and verify conversations that include support as well as accountability. But now let's discuss our last topic on this episode, draw a line in the sand. Can you tell us about this final ministry principle?
1: Yeah. So during the event cycle, new ideas are always going to arise among creative uh, big picture leaders. However, executing an event is as much about leadership discipline as it is about creativity. I'm going to say that again executing an event is as much about discipline as it is about creativity as the time clicks ticks closer and closer to the event timeline, it's getting ready to kick off. It is very important not to cons- to like succumb to last minute suggestions, whether by your own creative impulse or by the influential outside leader.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is kind of what we talked about last episode with the book, right? With the book. Mm-hmm. Just having a space for those suggestions to go rather than just throwing a last minute monkey wrench into the gear system. Yes.
1: yes. Now the book is, is, you're totally right. The book is designed while the event is going. On this one, however... The monkey wrench can often happen maybe two weeks ahead of time okay right so the book actually takes care of that during the event but but one of my main principles is draw this line in the sand planning and dreaming phase they are super super important but equally as important as being able to bring the dreaming phase to a close and transition towards execution
0: gotcha thanks for that distinction i think you're right dreaming is great But I I hear you saying that at some point, the dreams, they have to be turned into realities. And the danger in last-minute dreams is that they can almost short-circuit your abilities to successfully execute the initial dreams that you set out. Because you already had that stage, so you're putting them into practice. And then the new dreams can almost kind of undercut those and almost just create chaos. and It does create chaos. No dreams get
1: accomplished. Yes, and I got to tell you, Jeff, a lot of these principles are things like... It's not like I, I just like came up with these out of a book. I mean, these are things that happened to me in life, and I'm like, I can never let that happen again, mm-hmm. right? So that's what I'm talking about. Here's the deal. I am a super creative guy. By the way, this is not just people who do this to me. I got to harness my own self. I'm a mm-hmm. creative guy. That's I am an idea factory. But these phases of the event cycle, um, even the greatest of ideas may just have to be pushed off for next year, and not this year
0: Mm -hmm. yeah because you're not saying new ideas are bad ideas not
1: at all great ideas can however be thought of too close to the event
0: Mm -hmm. which makes sense that's the principle draw a line in the sand you got to draw that line at some point and and move on from dreaming into the execution exactly
1: i gotta tell you though it requires discipline be a disciplined leader and draw firm lines in the sand for instance with two weeks left until the event the last minute question might arise (gasps) oh my word we could add a petting zoo this year Now, listen, while all things are possible, this idea is outside of the realm of the plausible and should only be considered for next year. We're not going to pull that off this year. So, listen, we've created a plan. Now, we're going to execute that plan without any last-minute additions.
0: Gotcha. Now, can I play devil's advocate here for a second? Okay. What if it's a really great idea, Josh?
1: I get it. Great ideas may not be critical, to the success of the event. And I am simply mm-hmm. unwilling to insert chaos into the lives of my volunteers. I must resist, first of all, my own urge to call an audible. I also have to resist other volunteers or senior leaders seeking to hijack this event by calling their own audibles. I ain't gonna let it happen. Audibles, they should be rare, and audibles should not be the norm.
0: Mm-hmm. And so now, let me ask a question. We you kind of made the distinction between the book and these types of maybe a couple weeks out suggestions. So how do you suggest dealing with the last minute suggestions or even last minute uh, edicts from senior leaders? Yeah. I mean, it, It's one thing to have a volunteer have a last minute moment of inspiration. But we've talked about this a little bit already. Maybe the senior pastor or someone that's higher in the ranking system than you coming in with the last minute upgrade to your (laughs) event at the last minute.
1: (laughs) Okay. Now I got to say I have a very simple and yet super effective answer to this. Okay. I say these words. Wow. That's very interesting. Let me talk to the team and get back to you. End quote. Listen, Jeff, I defer everything to the team. First, I got to tell you, this allows me not to say yes in the moment. Simply stated, it's buying me time. I can get out of an uncomfortable situation and not be boxed into a corner by a pushy senior leader thinking that I have to say yes to get out of this. Right? This the, yes is the only way out. I got to buy some time. Second, I say this phrase: "Let me talk to the team and get back to you." It helps me diffuse the decision.
0: Gotcha. Could you uh, maybe speak a little more to that? What do you mean by? Diffuse the decision.
1: Right. So the word diffuse, I looked it up. It's defined as to spread out over a large area, not concentrated. I do not want the decision or decisions to be exclusively mine or concentrated only on me. I want to diffuse or spread the decision to others on my team. Now, let's imagine that somebody is trying to ram another idea into the mix of the last minute. This has happened to me many times, even from the senior pastor. Now this idea could be turned down by the team, not by me, the team collectively rejects the idea, the decision to not do this damaging last minute dream by somebody else outside of the team. We turned it down as a team. I didn't turn it down exclusively. So listen, I don't want to be the lightning rod for saying no. I want to make team decisions.
0: Gotcha. So like real practically, you're not the singular bad guy. You're exactly right.
1: When I taught at a large school district, they had this thing called the superintendency. This was like this team of five leaders, top leaders. And there was the superintendent, but the decisions were rendered by the superintendency, not the individual. Now I thought this was brilliant. And so they just were diffusing the weight of the decision. The team chose, not the individual chose.
0: It's almost a a safety in numbers thing.
1: You're exactly right. Now, it is. You're right, but it's more than that. The Bible says, "In the abundance of counsel, there's victory." So
0: I, I never led in
1: isolation. I truly led in community, and I, I, I rarely said yes right away or no right away. I would always say, "Huh, that's interesting. Let me get back to the team. We'll discuss it, and we'll circle back with you after we've connected as a team." Mm-hmm.
0: No, I really like that. I, th- I think that's helpful. It, maybe too, just to speak a little bit to the leader who might be listening and think like. I could never say that to my senior leader, or it maybe feeling like they're yeah. almost tricking their senior leader and like, oh, I'm not really going to consider your idea, but mm. I'll just say this line and
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I actually think that that the that you can go back to your team mm-hmm. and in the abundance of counsel, they might be like, oh my word, I see a viable plan that we could. That's not actually going to be that hard, and then we could kick it around. So I appreciate you saying that, Jeff, because I I got to tell you. I am being transparent right now. I can be I can be super resistant to people trying to hijack because I, that that happened. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That that's happened to me too many times. So, I appreciate the soft advice which is, you know, be be honest. Mm-hmm. Go don't have that just be a phrase that you throw, but go back to the team and really truly pray and consider. I think that's a yeah, good Yeah, actually
0: take advantage of having a team. Don't feel like the pressure always has yeah. to be on you, but you can go in and use the wisdom of the team that you have with you
1: it yes and of course I, you were i like what you're saying you're focusing on use the team for their wisdom and collective and i was saying hide <laughs> really
0: <laughs> right i mean it, but also it's, it's both it's not an either or but yeah it it helps you with i mean each yeah. uh, idea is going to be circumstantial and there's different things that go into yes. each one of these conversations that's going to happen but 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 i have to
1: say yes i i think that the majority of people might not see that that's why i wanted to point this one out being able to diffuse the decision and say hey i'm buying myself time to go back to the team but two Mm -hmm. it's not just me that's saying no and now they're ticked at me they are maybe if they're going to be ticked they're ticked at the team
0: yeah no that's good and you know we've we've covered a, a ton today about volunteers and big events on the podcast. Yet these principles, they're they're so far reaching. Like what we discussed today, they can be applied to any leadership context, not just events. And so in closing, could you just give us a quick recap of what we discussed, Josh?
1: Absolutely. Don't cry wolf ever. Know what you need and only invite people to serve in those roles. Number two, trust and verify. Always delegate duties, let people know ahead of time that you'll be checking in, but check in to provide support Okay, number three, draw a line in the sand and draw it firmly. Do not succumb to last-minute requests that just bring about chaos. Dreaming is important. Execution of those dreams cannot be hijacked at the last minute. As Nancy Reagan used to say, just say no.
0: (laughs) Uh, it's such good stuff. And now, kind of as we close our time with this uh, little big event series, I'd I'd love I wrote this down. I'd love to just hear from you some straightforward dos and don'ts for large events. I think okay. that could be really helpful. Okay, for great. You listening. do
1: the dos, I'll do the don'ts. Okay.
0: All right, got it. So, right here, the do is execute months in advance. Use the use the ready set go job description breakdown.
1: Don't procrastinate, or you're doomed.
0: Yes. <laughs> That's a good deep voice there. Yes. So the next one, do delegate by using detailed job description for everyone involved. Don't
1: dump duties in an ambiguous or unclear way. Mm
0: The Next do is make volunteer roles essential and meaningful. Don't over-recruit
1: volunteers and have people standing around with absolutely nothing to do.
0: Next one, clearly understand why you are doing this event and then let your planners steer the event's clarity.
1: Don't proceed with the event just because you did it last year.
0: Be Do be strategic and selective in what you offer at your event. Lean into your planners and be strategic.
1: Don't offer everything and therefore do nothing with excellence.
0: Next one is use local free promotion and community boards. Get your promoters to do this.
1: Don't spend thousands of dollars on glossy mailers. They're not worth it.
0: (laughs) Next one, do hold short individual as needed meetings with all five leadership P's of the event. The planners, promoters, preppers, present, and pull it down team.
1: Exactly. Don't hold 1.5 or two hour meetings and expect everybody to be there. Lame and unnecessary mm-hmm.
0: and the last one here do have special setup and teardown roles that only require one or two hours and just think of your preppers and your pull it down team as major players with minimal commitment
1: major players minimal commitment i like mm-hmm. that don't however have one core team that does every single thing and the entirety of the, heavy, of the heavy lifting don't burn out your key peeps
0: mm-hmm. definitely so I hope that was helpful for everyone. I know Mm -hmm. it was helpful for me as I'm just thinking about my own ministry context. But this wraps up our time today. If you're a fan of the Lead Volunteers Podcast, why don't you go ahead and subscribe, give us a five-star review, and just leave a little comment and let us know what you think to help us uh, get the word out, but also just to help us know what we're doing good, what we're doing bad, and just let us know so we can help better provide uh, more leadership tools and tips for you.
1: Absolutely. Also, listen, at the end of the day, we have a humongous resource at leadvolunteers.com. We've created the most comprehensive course for you as a ministry leader to get organized, retain volunteers and prevent burnout. There is nothing like lead volunteers that exists today.
0: Mm -hmm. That's right. So we hope you take advantage of that and we'll see you back here on the next episode.